Hey, hey, what up, what up? It's Alex, the fantasy football hustler, back at you. What is going on, everybody? The Neon Peacock joining you, filling in. Yeah. Shout out to Nelly Nell. He'll be he'll be back with us next week when we start our Halloween horror series. Oh, yeah. And Bogey should be in sometime tonight. And for everyone asking, uh, getting down on some fantasy questions, we're taking the night off. Oh, man, we're beat with fantasy. We'll be back tomorrow morning and tomorrow night answering some questions. Tonight, we're talking about Ready Player One. Oh, man. This is like a new age classic. 2018, this movie came out. The rights for the movie got bought in 2010 when the rights for the book got bought. So it was really crazy. It was like they sold the book rights and the movie rights in the exact same year. And I think they already started creating the screenplay of the movie or the script, at least before the book was even 100% complete. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. 2010 is a long time ago. Uh, so it took a while for that to come to fruition, but glad it did. It's a, it's an awesome movie. Uh, I've seen it twice over. So, um, you know, excited to talk about it to, tonight. Break it down. Yeah. And I mean, someone who was really excited about this movie was Steven Spielberg. So they said Warner Brothers bought the movie rights right away and they put it in Steven Spielberg's hands because literally, if you like, I've, I've only got through like 25% of the audio book. Like I've gotten through like four out of the 16 hours. It's so long, but there's so many pop culture references like in the book. So they had him read the script and then they had him like read the book. And he was like all ner- he was getting all nerdy, hella nerdy, because like, man, there's a lot of references from the shit that I did in the 80s. And uh, so he said he was like right on board after reading the script and the movie. It said, he said they had no idea how they were going to like create it into like a visual work of art. But man, they did such a good job. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I guess uh, when they bought the rights, so you know, so long ago, I don't know when he would. When did you say he got the? He got a hold of that script. Would you imagine? In the beginning, in 2010. So the guy oh. Ernest Klein, that's the he's the mastermind behind the entire book and everything. He said that when they got it to Steven Spielberg, it was like the most nerve wracking like two weeks of his life because <laughs> like. He was like, I can't even imagine what it would be if Steven Spielberg made this movie. Like when he wrote the, I don't even know how long he was writing the book for years, you know, when he's writing this book and like all these references, whole bunch from Steven Spielberg in the eighties. And then he ends up directing the movie pretty surreal. Right. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a bunch of nods to some old, uh, you know, Hollywood blockbusters that Spielberg directed, you know, throughout visually throughout the movie, you know, that they don't, you know, talk about. Yeah you know halfway or kind of just have the movie on in the background you're not paying attention you won't catch any of that stuff so several right. uh several easter eggs right off the bat uh, which is just great to see if you're you know into pop culture into the 80s uh, stuff like i am you know i was born in the 80s and so kind of obsessed with it kind of growing up it's weird because me growing growing up i was kind of like oh, the 80s like there's nothing really special about it that was like i guess mid 90s when i was thinking about that you know it wasn't yeah. that far removed uh, but then now, you know, everybody's kind of infatuated with that stuff now and you kind of have that nostalgia factor. So really cool to see a lot of that stuff in the, in the movie visually, of course, you know, things that you grew up with, uh, you know, seeing in, in, yeah. you know, summer blockbusters and things like that. Oh, yeah. And Tino said uh, you got through the copper key in the book. Yeah. So I'm pretty much like right at the copper uh, key when you won that. Yeah. And that's one of the big differences in the book compared to the movie. In the movie, there's three keys and in the book, there's five keys. But you know, it's the 16 uh, hours. Yeah, for sure. And like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just how it's going to be. And like literally every book is like, gonna, it could just cover more time than a two hour movie. It's just the way it goes. What up, Daniel Barry? And Joe said the book's way different. Yeah, because like, I mean, one of the things I mean, I haven't even got there yet, but just when I'm watched all the behind the scenes from the DVD and everything like that. And one of the things that got added into the movie that wasn't in the book was the whole shining uh, sequence. Um, That whole thing was uh, made thrown in for the movie. Not, it was not in the book. There was different references to other movies and books that were similar, but the shining wasn't one of those. And I didn't get that far. So that was a great reference in the, in the book though. You know, I loved it. They they made it a huge part of the, um, you know, of the movie. I think it took quite a bit of screen time. So, 
uh, yeah. a huge nod to The Shining. If you've seen The Shining or you're a fan of, of uh, you know, that horror uh, genre of the time, then, you know, yeah. definitely you know, a, a good uh, good couple of minutes there. Just, you know, a lot of references through from the maze to the axes to the... Yeah. And, and they, you, you name it. You know, the elevator. <laughs> we'll get and, there. They, and they said that uh, Steven Spielberg was real, like, nerded out, like, for that. Like, wow, we get to remake, like, parts of The Shining. <laughs> super cool so it was just cool all around for everybody and it's like it it's all foreshadowing it's all guessing what these things are going to be like that i think it's like the coolest part out of everything because we have we have really no idea what it's going to be like in 2045 but that's when this movie like takes place and it go it starts off in uh the stacks is what they call it and like i guess the only way that i can even explain this for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's like a trailer park that's just vertical that just goes straight up because everyone's Sorry. living in a trailer, but it, they're not. It's like buildings and structures of like trailers just going up and up and up and up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a it's a trailer park Jetsons or something, but they you know they're literally right on top of each other. It's not high rises. It's nothing beautiful about it. it looks like a bunch of RVs on stilts, kind of just uh, Lego connects on top of each other or whatever it may be, but. Uh, yeah, literally call the stacks for a reason. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, one of the things that they were saying behind the scenes, if they were going to make this like it was in the book, they would have had to go like three or four times higher. And it would have been like, you know, just spread out just insanely more than it is like right here. And I think they filmed it in London, they said. But um, the place that this is taking place is Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio. Ohio looks bleak in the future. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And uh, I mean, even in the beginning, when you really don't, I mean, if you don't know anything about the movie, it's just, you know, you can tell it's something futuristic. It's funny as he's like jumping down, you know, through the different trailers, you see like uh, just people with the VR headsets on. Like one person's like fucking boxing, like in there. Um, some dude's like surfing. And well, uh, man, even at the time, what <laughs> another lady's like pole dancing <laughs> oh yeah that was the funniest one it's like yeah we know where <laughs> she's getting some coin right now <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but that's what's cool about this oasis right it's like the virtual world where you can like literally just do anything and uh, kind of like the metaverse you know where the metaverse you could buy like that virtual real estate or whatever so in the book like that's one of the things that they're saying how it all started off with people, you know, just playing and everything and different things. And then people started buying the virtual real estate, putting up uh, different businesses and things like that. And it all spawned into this crazy, crazy world that he's about to jump into. What do you think of his little, what do we, what do we call that? Game zone, his little like hideaway. Like, what would you say that is? Yeah, it's like uh, his little, uh, his little clubhouse almost, you know, uh, getaway kind of, uh, I guess a man, oh, van cave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a van Crazy cave. Up. Like how, first off, like how do you search that out? It's in a junkyard with like all of the, I mean, just cars upon piles of cars. And he finds this little hole that's tucked away that he just climbs through. And then there's just a whole ass van, you know, there at least that's like gutted enough to where he could turn it into a clubhouse. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know how you come up on that, or maybe it was like an idea that he had. He was like, "Oh, there's this shell here, and we could put like clutter around it to hide it." You know, I don't know how he came about that, and uh, yeah, I don't know if they they cover that in the in the book. <laughs> maybe it's just now, a coincidence. I have not gotten that far yet. I mean, really, like, so some of the things that they talk about in the book that you don't see in the movie is well, so his parents were teenagers. And they were killed when they were teenagers. So I'm not sure what happened um, to him, you know, to his parents or anything, but he's living with his aunt. And they were covering him like going to school. So pretty much it was like they had the public schools, but the public schools were really shit. And so um, what's the guy's, uh, what's the main guy's name? Um um, um, not Agdemar, James Halliday, James Halliday, who's the creator of the Oasis, he was donating like five million dollars a year to the Oasis uh, school system, and it was pretty much like just an online school system where you logged into the Oasis in the VR, 
And yeah, it's called uh, the what's it called? Lugo, Lagos, Lugos, Lugos. I don't know what the name of the school is, but it, uh, there's a nod to it. I think you see it actually when he first goes into the oasis at the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. uh, and he's kind of like getting to wherever he's he's going. I forget where he's going to in the first bit. I guess he's, he's gonna going go to race. the race. Yeah. yeah. So he, before he gets there, you kind of see that there's a little sphere or whatever, and it has the name of that school, and apparently that's where they you know, that, that funded school where they all attended or whatever him and I guess and so, where he met H and some of the other characters. So it ended up being like thousands of schools is like what it ended up being. And that is how him and H met initially. And they didn't even go to the same school. They went to like different schools. I forget the number, but they say, I mean, it's like, it's a four. Yeah, they kind of just, they kind of glance over real fast with a, you know, yeah. those famous Hollywood uh, montage sequences. Like I said, while he's going from, Van Cave, we'll call it to to oh, entering the Oasis. You see a whole bunch of stuff, and it's basically you know they're things that probably were in the book that you just kind of you know can see. Well, what's crazy is like I think it takes about three hours to explain the Oasis <laughs> in the book, and like yeah, they show it here in like three minutes, like two minutes. That's yeah. the part where I feel like maybe a lot of people would say it does an injustice because yeah, like definitely. It's almost like, I mean, you have to, like, really that two minutes does show, like, I mean, you know, I think we we just, as people who know these virtual worlds or whatever, I think we just put two and two together in our heads that, like, this is a universe where, I mean, literally you can do anything. I mean, they show, I mean, they're, like, skiing down the Alps and climbing Mount Everest and a yeah, casino that's the thing the planet seen, and the uh, motel. Where you could go do other things. Oh yeah, you could do other things. There. Yeah, he glances <laughs> over that. that. That's that whole part where we're talking about. Yeah, he he's basically just kind of like just broad strokes that whole all that stuff that I'm sure that the, the book talks about. But yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. And uh, takes like three <laughs> hours to it. Just goes into like such insane detail and like. I wish I could see more detail of what's going on in all these worlds. I mean, it would be super cool. You know, like super cool. And then they yeah. talk about um, pretty much the next thing, like you know, right after they're showing off everything. He's like, hey, and this is my avatar, you know, at least until I want to change it, you know. And um, and then they it talk the about then they talk about the whole um, what's it called? The whole uh, contest finding these Easter eggs that James Halliday left. And so this the way the, that, I, like to, I like to think of this as the uh, the Willy Wonka concept of the movie, basically, where it's like, oh, you know, it's the whole find the golden ticket type of, yeah. type of deal. And you'll get invited to uh, to essentially, you know, take over the company. Crazy idea. Literally what Ernest Klein said. He was like, I was, I was thinking like, what if Willy Wonka made video games? And what <laughs> if his golden ticket was like an Easter egg in a video game? So like that's literally how the entire movie kind of like you know at least the the main sub the main plot of the movie formed yeah i I like to like i think of it and it's like okay it's willy wonka in the matrix uh and then (laughs) it takes yeah and it takes parts of like i don't know if you've seen that movie gamer um yeah with what's it that who comes out of it's a jared butler no i don't know anyways but that one's pretty cool because he goes into the game and it's kind of the same thing like people make money doing different things or whatever yeah He's like killing people anyways. So it's all of that mixed in with like a little bit of Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> and like the way one. All of that all in one. Great movie. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that uh, Steven Spielberg was kind of like explaining this, he was like, it was almost like a new age, like wild, wild west, you know, because like you could be whoever you want to be. There really wasn't a lot of no, like. Don't, that, don't compare this to that wild, wild, the movie wild, wild west. No, 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 good. No, he's talking no, like literally just like the Wild West. Oh, like the wild. Day, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's like the, the whole the whole metaverse and Bitcoin and all that stuff, that rage that just kind of went through. That was the wild, wild west times of NFT and whatnot. So yeah. So still, that's what he's saying. going through that. Yeah. He said this is a new age, like wild, wild west like time, because like, you know, you, you can recreate yourself. You can literally do whatever you want to do. And he said a lot less rules on like what you have to do and like things like that. And uh, yeah, that was the way that he kind of explained it. And I'm over here, wild, wild west. <laughs> yeah, the wild, wild west. Wow. <laughs> oh man. Whoops. And so this this whole um this whole contest, it is literally like Willy Wonka. So um James Halliday. He's the he's the creator of the Oasis. 
he dies, passes away, and he creates a game within the game, all the Easter eggs, three keys that you must find. And whoever finds the three keys is given the entire Oasis, all the coin and everything, you know, in these accounts. And he was like, it's a half a billion. Oh, I mean, half a trillion dollars. And everyone's like, whoa, shitting themselves. And see, they show it. I don't know if you caught that part when they're, when everyone's kind of watching this. The first kind of people who are watching him on the screen, they're all in school. And that's exactly. like, like he pretty much like, at least from what I remember and picked up, like he pretty much dropped out of school to be like a full-time, you know, gamer and get the coin. Cause it's all the money in there. That's pretty much how you live your life. Right. You know, anyways, like that's like that money and real world money is one in the same for the most part. Yeah, and, Z uh, or, or Wade or whatever's not in school at the time when the, the movie opens up. He's definitely not living a luxurious, successful life. Uh, no. You know, so, so he's hurt. Yeah, we can gather that he's, you know, either dropped out of school or, or something to that effect. Yeah, because like when he when he gets into the Oasis, finally, then he starts talking about H. And that's why Tino said H's basement, bro. Fire. <laughs> Hell yeah. All the tools and the gadgets. I mean, that's got to be a good trade in the oasis you being able to fix cars and like you know just literally fix build shit you know for people that people don't have the skills to do yeah when this whole metaverse stuff broke out in our real world life i was messing around with a lot of 3d graphics and stuff and i was like looking into the metaverse and i was like i could build furniture in the metaverse and sell it i mean right (laughs) and my wife was like you could build real furniture and sell it in real life (laughs) yeah but i have to swing the hammer like this i'm I'm like (laughs) way easier and like so that's what they're saying like in there like in the book like they don't talk about any of this in the movie but in the book you know they're explaining everything how like he wanted to make it a free game like the only thing you had to pay was 25 cents and that was a one-time like activation fee and it was like that's your that's your ticket into the oasis to create your account and but inside the game you know that's way different and it was like yeah then they start designing every single car in existence and every single like you know movie movie car in existence and literally everything and they were like since it's like not like something physical it just like takes up ones and zeros you know in the server it's basically free for them and the they said, yeah they said they they created this whole service it's funny how it's like almost like bitcoin kind of but like not really but like everyone who's tapped into the oasis your computer is powering the server like as well and like it's this new technology so like everyone who's tapped in because like before they said any game that went over like a thousand people you know you need multiple servers or would you know just it would suck your players would go slow and this was the first one that was just like crystal clear the whole way through and it's because somehow everybody's computer who was logged in and there's millions and millions and millions of users around the world each of their computers is powering the oasis as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah by some technological miracle of you know the the not too distant future 2045 i can't wait yeah Uh, i can't (laughs) wait for huge corporations to to you know power things for free off of our energy (laughs) whatever fuckers (laughs) whatever works as long as you know as long as my uh netflix doesn't buffer or whatever i'm cool with it i guess (laughs) (laughs) and then uh so we get introduced to h and it's in the book. I mean, it's way longer than this like little two minute intro that you get, but it's pretty cool how it shows H in the the death zone. I can't remember what they call it, but pretty much the big war zone where everyone's killing each other. Uh, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of the planet. Uh, yeah, but it's it's definitely something war zone or like uh, you know to that effect. You can call it war zone for for now. So if somebody in the chat knows the actual name, yeah, throw it in there. Pretty much getting in the war zone, getting your kills on, getting the coins, you know, from the people that you're sniping and everything. It's and that, yeah. It's like it's like GTA on steroids. It's a it's a like a COD GTA uh mashup with like anybody and any anything you can think of. Fortnite kind of uh throw it all into one and and uh and throw on a skin and, and go at it, go ham. And uh I mean one of the first references that we get in there, it's funny, like right as H uh is answering the call from Percival to get my kills on, bro. And then Freddy Krueger like jumps up, bow, gets Freddy. <laughs> and everybody goes Sonic mode, right? When they, they disintegrate, you know, kind of 
end game style, but there's coin falling everywhere and it makes that nice. Uh, it reminds me of just Sonic. It's like, it's not like so cartoony, but it has a nice little clean yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. The way that it all looked. And um, yeah. So all we really get, all we really gather right there is just H is the shit is pretty much like the only thing that we gather right there. And uh, then they end up, um, <coughs> So we get introduced to H and then talking about, oh, you know, uh, Planet Doom. And that's what it's called. Um, and then um, Percival is like, oh, yeah, I can't make the can't make the later race. Can you go you make this race? Yeah, we'll be over there. And um, it's funny, H, like when he actually gets over there, um, Percival, that is Z or Z or Wade or whatever we refer to him as throughout the movie. Um, he what finally he gets thing? over there. And he's like, hey, H, how'd you beat me over here? He's like, well, I didn't need to go by the, the hair salon on the way over here. <laughs> and like a big uh, old grotesque looking uh, avatar that, that he's using with no hair or she's using. Yeah. <laughs> and no midsection either. It's like a whole midsection that could kind of just like Mechanical, spring up uh, and bio, biomech kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Crane so from Ninja Turtles type of thing, maybe, but without a brain in the middle. Yeah, Tino said the Oasis would be so addicting. Yeah, I yeah, mean, never get out of there. Tino would be at the <laughs> casino planet like all day. <laughs> Tino for sure would be at the uh, casino planet all day. And um, so the three keys, that, that's where we are right now after we get introduced to, um, to H is the three keys. And uh, one of the parts that I like in there when Halliday was about to give his little, uh, um, what's his called? Uh, like the... Um, yeah, yeah. The it's been guy. it's been five years, right, since holiday passes, and then nobody's found any keys yet. So it's been this whole period of time where we're gathering, where he's explaining the oasis, we're getting introduced <laughs> to him and H, and all this is happening. And then he happens to mention it's been five years and nobody's found Jack. <laughs> and the uh, when he's given his little Steve Jobs like speech, that's what I was gonna say. And he was like, "All right, we're we're finally gonna unveil the oasis." Take a look under your seats and it makes everyone look. There's nothing under Just there. there. <laughs> Got him. Oh man. And that's pretty uh, funny because oh. it's like real dry humor. The the actor who's playing uh, the holiday character or whatever, and he's just kind of like doesn't even react to his own joke. It makes it a little funnier for me. It's just like he's serious and he just continues on. <laughs> kind of like a like a weird, quirky savant in his own, you know, like yeah, somebody who's just special kind of like um i don't know not i mean a, not seems as... like seems like a steve jobs and i was like i wonder is this just like steve jobs of their of like this you know this multiverse this multiverse then, yeah their version of it maybe but then in um in uh what's his name in um in wade's little bunker or whatever you see on the wall and it's like james halliday better than jobs or like something yeah, like they, that. they make <laughs> reference to steve jobs for sure so this is what i guess yeah. be taking place after after way after steve jobs obviously but pretty still. pretty much i mean this is like yeah i forget what year this is uh this is taking place 20 2040 when i think they release it because yeah because five years after he dies yeah, right. I'm just trying to remember, like, yeah, because the, the bad guy is still alive and he was like an intern, so it's not too far removed. Like, it's not way back. So, yeah, it's definitely after that, after Steve Jobs, Jobs era, after our era, I guess we'd be old, uh, yep. older men, older men at the time of this movie. Yep. And so they don't say it. who figures out what the, uh, they don't say who figures out, you know, what the actual, um, Easter egg is like where, where the first keys at, but they say that they put a portal there once they find out that it's in this race, but <laughs> man, okay, the somebody, race finds a, like, somebody finds a clue and then a, a portal appears later, but they didn't really talk about that in the movie. Could you imagine? And yes. And I mean, that's kind of where the movie lacks, right? And like, it leaves out these big chunks of like things where you're just wondering like who found this out, how'd they find this out? Cause he did give some tiny little clue in there and he gave he kind of even gave a little bit of the third clue as well like in his little speech and uh but you see um you see percival now he's kind of talking explaining you know after the easter eggs and everything gets jumps through the portal gets to the race and it's like it's kind of looks like a new york skyline you can't even really tell like what it is as you as the race goes and you can tell this is like literally taking place in like Central Park, like right around New York. It's like the scenes we see in Batman and shit like that, you know, at least the same locations. 
Top and, of street uh, racing, need for speed, uh, you know, kind of kind of vibes yeah, yeah. going on. They're definitely getting ready for one of those type of, you know, uh, one of those awesome type races where you're just, you know, hitting your yep. <laughs> shifting and going and it's going to be all kinds of havoc. But there's, you know, at the same time, there's all types of uh, pop culture, uh, you know, who dats coming after you and trying to wreck you and, and, you know, knock you out of the game and make a game over. So it's super fun, super great right off the bat, uh, exciting action. Great scene, yep. great scene. And they're explaining IOI and uh, these Sixers is what they call them. No names, but they all have six digit numbers that represent who they are. And pretty much, I mean, a loyalty camp is like what they call it. Right. And uh, just, yeah, just so ridiculous. They got all these employees who are working I mean, for them and they're all well, trying to find. I guess that's cool to a certain extent. Like if, you know, the future looked bleak, I'm like, I'm going to get paid to go, you know, play video games. But the way that they're, being treated or like we kind of get a closer or a glimpse behind you know closed doors later the way the companies run they're kind of it's like drill sergeant military style or the way they have them playing video games so it's kind of yeah. it doesn't look doesn't look like it all it's cracked out to me or yeah. you know, sound anyway but those are like the employees right it's like you got to figure out how to make your own coin you can clan up with people that is one of the ways noble we're on the show right now please Clan up, you clan up, clan up or go solo. It's funny how they refer to it like that. But yeah, you have these major corporations that are trying to, uh, I guess, like monopolize or make create like a small little army and go to war. That I think the 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 main uh, uh, antagonist kind of refers to it as that. And he's trying to, you know, surmount this army so that he can take over and find the keys. You know, like a strength in numbers type of idea. So. And they have and these the, other folks that are more like rebels, I guess. The amount of money that, like, there, I mean, it's half a trillion dollars. So I, I'm assuming all the people working there are getting paid peanuts. That's just what we can assume from, like, the way the whole operation is, like, going down. But it's like they have all the invest, these all, all these investors and things like that that are, you know, pouring into this. So it's not even like it's the main dude who's, like, putting this all out of pocket he's like he got all these people together throw all this money at something and it's all this money to try to win the easter eggs because once they get the easter eggs um now they get full access to the oasis and he's the guy who's always wanted to charge people just to use the oasis in general let alone like all the ads and everything that he wants to like have pop up on people's screens and you know all this type of shit yeah, you so, see that through, throughout the film within you know little sections where you know, there's a flashback and he wants to charge you know you know memberships to you know, yeah. use the oasis and then i think there's a other part where he's speaking to like his other you know employees about uh you know running all these ads you know with oasis 2.0 or whatever it is so and Joe said everyone's so poor working for IOI is unavoidable. Yeah, see, that's why you got to figure out how to be a hustler somewhere in the Oasis because a lot <laughs> of people are making money. You just have to, like, literally have your, your hustle, whatever it is. I mean, H's hustle is, like, rebuilding all the cars and the whole, you know, shop that, uh, that I mean, I guess he is a he, right? We'll get to the spoiler alert later. Yeah, um, and, and I guess C to a certain extent is, like, I'm going to, you know, play these races and try to find the key. But at the same time, I have like ways to kind of skim him by. He like, he starts the race at the back of the race to lets the cars kind of crash out so he can pick up coin so he can have fuel to keep going, you know, and figure stuff out. So. Cause literally know, even driving the car, you got to have cash to, to put the, the fuel in there. But what's cool is you don't got to go to a gas station, you know, yeah. like you literally can like fill up the tank, like during the, during the race. And his car's so dope, you know, he's driving the, the DeLorean from uh, Back to the Future, so. Yeah. And Tino said, I think uh, where the movie misses how post-apocalyptic the world is and, like, there's, like, barely any food or jobs and the Oasis is really for the rich and it makes more sense on why people would be Sixers. Yeah, for sure, right? Because there's, like, literally no jobs in, like, real life, I feel. Because, like, I mean, shit, even in the beginning of the movie, like the person, it wasn't even a person who was delivering Pizza Hut to the stacks. It was like a drone. <laughs> yeah, a drone was delivering pizza. Yeah, for sure. And when you're going, he's going through the stacks. You see, basically everybody's plugged into the Matrix or whatever you want to call it now. <laughs> you know, the Oasis. Yeah. But every, you know, everybody's everybody's locked in with their doing their thing. You know, like you said, all different types of stuff. So it, it appears that everybody's 
that's how they make money. Yeah. And, you know, his home life, his home situation with his, I guess, his foster parents or stepdad and, or whatever the hell they are, uh, you know, his dad's like high risk gambling, uh, you know, in these games or whatever and, and stuff like that. So, you, you, you know, you run into some of that stuff, too, there, the, that home dynamic where everybody kind of needs to to scramble on the Oasis because the and I guess that's, you know, they, they could have paid more attention, I guess, to what it's like. But you see the slum yeah. that he lives in. And I guess that's what they're trying to tell you. Like, it, everything is like that. The Oasis is so much cooler. So rather be there. Yeah, I feel like you have to put two and two together. I mean, it looks hella ghetto, like where he's living. You know, I mean, it's literally like, I mean, it's the stacks are stacked on top of each other. You know, like everything around it does not look like it's like a nice neighborhood or like rich. Everything area. looks dirty. Looks like a shower's like once a week type of thing. His his fucking little getaway is like hidden in a junkyard, you know. Like I mean, nothing is screaming that he has money or is in any kind of like you know, like I don't know, not a super Good situation. Yeah, definitely post-apocalyptic. I mean, they're they they are it 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 is look like a little glanced over, I guess. Uh, and things kind of look cool in the in the in the stacks, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it reminds me of a. Uh, the scene from Demolition Man when all the you know the yeah. sewer people kind of come up and it's Taco Bell time or whatever like that's kind of yeah. what's going on here. <laughs> and see, and like here's what I assume: it's like we see the first person they're like boxing. It's like you know this little chubbier chick, you know, in their boxing. I'm assuming she's in some kind of boxing match for you know some kind of prize fight. You yeah, know, like make she's like point, some buff you know, dude or character or whatever, like you know, high stakes or or fight or UFC style something. You know, like you know. Famous, maybe two, even. We go two stacks down, and then there's another chick, and she's like working the pole. Like, I mean, you know, she she's working. She's getting, <laughs> she's working the pole, getting up coin on. You know, like it's what you got to do. There's when a dude surfing, yeah, he's having leisure time. You know, so yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when they're in the race, and it's even funny how I mean, you brought it up how he has to even drive in the back, you know, to kind of skim coin, you know, from like the the cars that. Um, the cars that die or whatever along the way and he's right. grabbing their coin and fucking um and h like so it's like oh you gotta do that what like oh like <laughs> see that's sad man <laughs> i think that's what he says <laughs> and uh but super dope as he goes back there i mean you really don't know what's gonna happen like you don't know if his car is there or whatever you see him like just take this thing out of his pocket throw it down and then the delorean just appears yeah Sweet. <laughs> super That's fucking like, cool and it says uh what Perc uh, percival in the back uh on the license plate yeah pops in ready to start the race and kind of get a glimpse of what it's kind of like to to work this first challenge for for a key you know and just the intensity yeah. of all the sixers that are you know clogging the, the starting line and uh and, and then all the other folks that are in there He's still, I guess he's still narrating at this point. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, and I don't even think, um, I mean, it's kind of getting to the part where the narrating is like about to stop. And, uh, but the music is just on point the entire time. And, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, then what's, he goes, what's the opening track? Uh, it's an 80s joint, right? I forgot. What yeah. It was. Yeah. I, man, I cannot. Like, it's not coming to me at the I moment. I think it's the I, one I from earlier today. Yeah, I know. Is it the one from Blow? Yeah, I can't remember which one it is, but they've got classic music throughout the whole thing. And yeah, uh, it's, it's good stuff. It's, it's not. Was it? It's not the uh, Twisted Sister, is it? Man, it's Damn, White Snake. It's one of those. Like it's something in that genre. You know what I'm saying? Like '80s uh, hair metal type of type of song going on in the background, from what I recall. But but yeah, the race was it? No, not as well. No, yeah. it was like uh, Yeah, I'm not know. sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, it's going like you know we're about to start the races. Like they should have done Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue or something. But anyways, that would have been stuff. cool. And they look looks over, see some chick on a motorcycle there. Exactly, and like. That's why. They talk a lot about Artemis, like, you know, in the beginning in that first, like, three, four hours where they're kind of, like, building up the Oasis and everything. And, like, 
yeah, she's like a Twitch streamer and all this and, you know, does walk-alongs and, you know, just a lot of stuff in the Oasis. She's a superstar to, like, a guy like him. And he's, like, fully, like, schmitten, you know, with her. Like, yeah, he's uh, he's all about it. Yeah, has no idea what she looks like or anything, but uh, he's followed her and he's like, that's her. I know her. I can tell by her. I don't know, whatever. I follow her on all these, you know, platforms and so he he's uh, honing in, like telling telling H, like check this out, like that's definitely her. So he's locked in on that, not really paying attention to the race right off the bat. Yeah, and just crazy how like the whole bridge, you know, there's no like bridge where they're at, but then just kind of like just kind of shifts over there, you know, does like a little roll or whatever to get into place, and then they're off. And then as you get to the end of the bridge, it's like the bridge raises like some too fast, too furious shit, where it just like raises out of nowhere. Then even one of them, it's like got the little curve and that's the one that he goes on so he could do a full like barrel roll you know like just over the yeah the, like, the freeway the freeway is is like on hydraulics so they're you know they're off and going and everybody's weaving through traffic the freeway starts moving uh you know and, and like you said that kind of goes into like a three-way split you know one has the nice uh hot wheels set up see he gets some cool action uh, and of you course, can it's tell. CGI, so it's it's even yeah. cooler. Like, no problem with stuff being fantastical. Like, you can tell that it's a video game, but it's like a badass, like fucking video game. <laughs> and uh, the cool thing about it, I mean, they're doing all the acting, like in this, like everything is uh, it's filmed like a video game. You know, they got the whole the suits with the bubbles on it, you know, and all that, and it's like the, av the avatar effect, uh, you know, the, the same yeah. kind of process, you know, the way they they did most of that stuff. So, yeah, cool. I said they filmed it in Harry Potter Studios, and that's oh. the same place where they filmed uh, Harry Potter. And like you just see, it's like everything that they're doing, it's like the skeleton <laughs> of everything. It's like he doesn't have the whole DeLorean, you know, when they're filming. It's like the shell of the DeLorean. You know, right. but he's in there, like, doing everything that he's doing in the movie. But, um, you know, it's like they got to imagine it until it's, like, on screen, kind of. But uh, they did say that, like, there's there's monitors all over the place. And, like, just like when you're doing it for, like, the video games or whatever, like, you can see what's happening on the monitor. You know, like, the monitor shows the video game world and everything that you're recording. But you got to cool. just imagine it. Yeah, you got to. It gives you at least something to to do and these these actors get paid a lot of money so yeah for sure and uh one of the coolest parts to like start this whole race is like there's a big there's like a big rig or whatever that like i mean first off they're just like going through everything there's subway cars you know just all over the place a lot of obstacles to avoid and then this whole like big rig truck like just comes out of the way out, out of just out of nowhere cuts off pretty much everybody in the race one of the sixers gets their heads cut off and all the coin goes hits a little button changes it from back to the future one DeLorean to back to the future two DeLorean <laughs> glides underneath that shit, opens the door, gets all the coin, turns the coin into fuel. It's cool. Yeah, the wheels story. turn sideways and he starts hovering <coughs> and glides right under there, you know, and, and opens the door and collects all the coin, like you said. And I just want to, uh, I just want to, before we go any further here, I just want to shout out my cousin, Austin Gord, who was an art director on this movie. I probably should have prefaced and left off with that, but, uh, you know he's uh, he's worked on uh, this one Rushmore and a couple other movies uh, back in the day, but this one was one of his more recent ones. And, uh, right. I gotta reach out to him see so we could get in touch with him, maybe get him yeah. on the show. That'd be super cool if we can get like any insight from him in the movie because uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of work that went into this movie, especially on the art side and the video game side and just all this shit. Yeah, yeah his sister his sister just reached out to me uh, on Facebook recently because I did a. Uh, I did a, an edit of a Houston edit, uh, Houston Texans uh, jersey from uh, Tarleton State University, and she went to school there, and they're the okay. Texans. And then, anyways, I swapped the colors because they were purple, anyways, and I did it for. And she was like, "Hey, blah blah blah," and I was like, "Oh yeah, like, hello, his sister. I maybe I could get his number through her." But cool. Anyways, yeah, he was an art director on this. He wasn't the main one, but he, I think, he was like like the assistant art director, or if not, like a visual art director, something to that. Cool. Effect. But. If you check yeah, out the uh, what is it, the IMBD or whatever it is, uh, mm -hmm. uh, his name is listed up there. Tight. And one of the first big, uh, I mean, other than the DeLorean, I mean, obviously that's the first like big reference, like in this race. I mean, shit, seeing the T Rex from Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park, like Park? Oh, wow, oh. randomly in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the street, 
you know, um, tears at H's car. Yeah. And then King Kong, that's the one that nobody can get by. And he talks about it like after, like, he's like, he's getting ready to pull up, you know, on the little bank or whatever on the freeway. And he sees King Kong. He's like looking for him. And the son of a bitch, he's like, just tracking the whole way. (laughs) And then he sees him just where he's at, that he's, uh, you know, just gets right in front of him. So he doesn't do it. That doesn't take very tense moment of the movie uh you know you can feel it the action's kind of peak building and peaking there he's getting towards the end of the race you know he's looking he's on a lower level that you can see king kong's crashing through the buildings destroying things you know knocking other racers out of the game you know, it's coin flying everywhere uh there is a cool little scene there where right before h gets blocked off when that that bridge area or whatever the train tracks the yeah. batman 66 car yeah, uh, knocked out by his truck, and when it skids, <clears throat> the tire screeching uh, goes to the cadence of the da na 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 na, but it's tire yeah. screeching, so it's like, and it's the, <laughs> the 1966 Batmobile, so that's pretty yeah. cool. There's a lot of pop culture references, and it's just this first race, and uh, if you're, you know, you go back rewatch it. If your eyes quick enough, you can probably catch them all, but I'm sure I missed a bunch of them. Yeah, Marty said this movie sounds wild. Like all this is happening within like the first like twenty minutes of the movie. Like, For sure, it's, it's awesome. The first... yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first race is just—it's so epic. Like that's I, that's why we're trying to go into so much detail because it is like it's super super fucking epic. And uh, he says <laughs> he says he does he does a cheat to beat King Kong. Yeah, that's the only way that he can do it. This race is just like it's impossible. Like he's. Even when he thinks he's about to beat King Kong, he sees King Kong like coming like in front where the whole bridge is like out. He would have to like, you know, hit the incline or whatever. But like Waiting he knows he's him. not gonna do it. Slams on the brake, stops and Almost falls um, out of the DeLorean. Yeah. Sees yeah. Artemis and then he's like, Bail, bail. Yeah, she sees an opening, you know, and she's like, I can take this little piece that's kind of torn up, like ramp it over and make it right. And he's like, No, you know. King Kong has sunken down below the crevice and he's hiding. You can't even see. So she doesn't probably even know that he's there uh, at this point. So he's, yeah, like you yeah. said, he comes running out and yelling bail and snatches her off the uh, the motorcycle and they go yeah. tumbling around and she winds up uh, straddling him and they look as the, <laughs> the bike is, is uh, goes over the, the little ramp and straight into Kong's outstretched gorilla <laughs> hand and he just crushes the bike, <laughs> tosses it back at him. Yeah, at least she got the bike back because yeah. uh, H fixed it for free. Didn't even yeah. have to pay for it. Right, he didn't even charge her. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's, and that's what uh, yeah, Percival is. Oh my, my buddy H can fix it for you. Don't worry about it. You know, it's yeah, offering up hard, offering up, offering up H's services without even asking. You know, and then, <laughs> like they get to H's uh, basement or whatever. And uh, this is my basement. Touch nothing. <laughs> and and then, first, thing, first thing he does is check this out. Touch everything. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, gotta show my job like shit? Trying to impress Artemis. <laughs> yep. And uh, it is funny when they get in a little like uh, James Holiday um, trivia. What's James Holiday's favorite first person shooter? <laughs> and they, get, they go back and forth with each other. Yeah, and uh, that's what's crazy about this whole thing. So, like, even that part right there where they're doing the James Holiday um, little trivia right there. I mean, that's, like, such a huge part of, like, the beginning of the audiobook because, like, he's talking about so many, like, all the specific references. Like, that's what they're they're pretty much talking about. Yeah, hey, for hey. Sure. probably, like, Atari and Dig Dug and, you know, everything and anything, so... Uh, what up 420 king bongs uh we actually got eight streams going on right now we're on three different youtube channels we're on twitch and we're on no we're on four different youtube channels we're on twitch and we're on three different facebook um pages and groups right now (laughs) it's funny tino's like for real homie bringing back some random chick to your dope ass basement (laughs) and hey hey 420 King Bong said, I'm hitting the like on everyone. We appreciate you. We that appreciate you. What is trying that? Trying to get a bunch of monetized. Hell yeah. Cool. And um, 
But yeah, that was a huge part of like the beginning of the audiobook where they're literally just talking about how like 12 hours out of the day he would be studying like all of Halliday's shit. You know, just going back and watching all the movies that he was into, watching all the TV shows that he was into, all the music that he was into, and literally everything. And uh, that was the one that he was, uh, you know, like that. He knew that the only way to like win this was to like get inside the head of Halliday and learn like everything about everything that he liked. Right. Yeah. He goes uh, in the Oasis. There is a, uh, I guess, like a, you know, a library of some sorts. I forget what it's called. It's like some sort of mecca of information where he kind of just goes. And I guess that's where he spends most of his time while he is in the Oasis and probably heads over to his van and chills out with his crappy, you know, uh, equipment to log into the Oasis and, uh, and does his thing and, and studies Halliday, you know, trying to, to get a, any insider edge on, uh, on getting this key in the race, you know, trying to figure out some sort of competitive advantage figure out why it's taken five years first and it's still been you know nobody's gotten even close to getting past kong and getting to the finish line yeah and uh yeah they're like they're they're talking just more and more and he was like yeah king kong like it's it's a rule you just you can't beat king kong and she was like well halliday hated rules and he knows that halliday hated rules and it's just bugging him it's bugging him and bugging him and bugging him and then he's got to go back. And uh, Tina said in the book, every kid knew holiday stuff. It was popular as basically uh, be a Gunther or a Sixer. And a Gunther, that's the people, the egg hunters. Right. Is what yeah. they are. Or, yeah, gamer hunters or egg hunters like Gunthers. Yeah, makes sense. It's funny because yeah. my dog's name is uh, Gunner, and I call him Gunther just, to, just because. <laughs> it's funny. And um, dang, I can't. Uh, I don't, do you can't remember tell the, the difference because he's a dog? <laughs> it's called the paper. It was called the paper brigade. I oh, think. Yeah, I remember that. That sounds very familiar. Um, it, the, they have like a bike route. Yeah, and it, it was with the, um, it was with the dude who was in the movie where they kidnapped their parents, like Jamie Lee Curtis, and everybody has nineties um, uh, um, hair. They have Jennifer that like, hair. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer Love <laughs> Hewitt. Yeah, for sure. The kid's name in there was Gunther. And like the, the local police, they're just talking shit they're like Gunther. What kind of name is that? It's like, man, it's like, oh, I think I just stepped in some Gunther. <laughs> Damn, they did him dirty. Yeah, I remember that now. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow, he's a that paper. That's brigade. a random. I'm gonna, that down. I'm gonna rewatch that one with my kids. Paper a... brigade. I think I can watch that with my son. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think I don't think it's uh, yeah ninety six. Take us back to the nineties with that one. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, so well, funny. Stuff I completely forgot about that. That's cool. Paper Brigade. I think I rented that on VHS. Not gonna lie, that's when I first saw it. I, rent a lot of VHS I forgot stuff. about the Paper Brigade. Yeah, that's like a random <laughs> yeah, one, too. right? Like, <laughs> totally forgot super about it. One. <laughs> wow, and, came out uh, of left field. Yeah, I, I was this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and you kind of get a peek. I mean, he does have, I mean, you hear him later, like people love the Oasis to try to escape the shitty hand that they were dealt. And this is like the only peek you get into like, you know, the, the kind of shitty home life, you know, that he has, like, he just gets his aunt yelling at him. Where's my gloves. You took my gloves. And then he goes home and it's like her husband, or not even her husband. I think he's just her boyfriend or whatever. Right. It's like all in his face. And <laughs> he was like, you made me, you made me lose all the house money on the, on this. I, I bought he's all the like upgrades the, for this like one little brother that you, He's like the little brother that you beat in Madden or some shit. Like, I don't know. He's like, you made me lose. You gave me the shitty controller. I don't know what. It's like not even your fault that they suck. Pretty much. Yeah, you took the good. You took her gloves. Supposed he's to like, be. I'm he, supposed to use the good gloves. What does and it tell I, him? He's like, you shouldn't have played or I don't know what the hell. He was like, you weren't going to win nothing. He was like, my friends in there, you noob. And he like punches them. And he's like, call the cops. <laughs> he's like, I'm not cops. calling the cops. You're getting the hell out of here. I should kick both of you out. <laughs> yeah, because he spent all their house away. money on all those upgrades. Yeah. And um, But yeah, so it was uh, really he's just all in his head thinking about this. And he goes, let's see what this, because I got the movie playing in the background. No, it's the Halliday Journals. That's what it is. And he goes in there to talk to the to the old curator and um, goes to a specific spot 
that um uh, that talking about is cool. no rules uh, talking have about you ever seen, um, have you ever seen uh altered carbon on netflix i don't think so so anyways it's uh they have skins and like there's discs and their whole lives and memories are like saved on these things and you, you're literally like you can buy people's bodies and like keep like a fresh new you could be you could be immortal basically right all your shit just stays uh, stays saved on these stacks anyhow there's a curator in the that virtual world that they're in or whatever the hell and uh, it's mm-hmm. like a same it's the same concept it's like a dude that's there with like information but he's a bartender he keeps yeah. he gives you a place to stay so they that, that curator reminded me of you know mimic the same that same concept It's like a virtual butler. Yeah. (laughs) He takes them to the exact uh, scene, and uh, it's cool. So I said when they were filming all of these, this is why Steven Spielberg said it was like filming four movies in one, you know, because like when they film like scenes like he's watching, it's like they had cameras everywhere so they can like shift everything around, you know, just like on cue and make it look like hella, you know, just futuristic the way that they can go back and like watch these movie files. And uh, so he's listening to the whole file and he remembers like everything like word for word. And he must just walk away at the same time, like every single time. But this time he like, I don't know. He just like waits a little longer and he hears him say like, I wish we could just go backwards, you know, like really put the pedal <laughs> like really to the best. Well, because, it's because like you said, I think Artemis tells him about the, she mentions like, he, you know, he was a rule breaker and she kind of like, that was the last thing that she said. So like, it, like he was hanging on every, you know, every word of hers because he's smitten, like you said. So this yeah. time when he goes back over there, it's after his encounter with her at that first race, it's fresh in his mind. They start talking about the rules, uh, holiday and, um, Morrow, I guess, or whoever it was at that at yeah, that point. Ogden Morrow, yeah. Right. And uh and they have like this little that argument and then he turns away and that's when he's walking away, but he hears him say that. So I think that when uh, he, his ears are a little more tuned to to the conversation this time after Artemis comes. And I don't even know head. if you saw it took um Holiday saying it twice mm-hmm. for him to realize it. He says it the first time. He's like, wish we could go backwards, you know, and he just kept walking, didn't even hear yeah. it. Like, yeah, I wish we could go really backwards. Really and yeah, <laughs> and then that's and he when he's back and he's like, hey, play that, go backwards 10 seconds. And he hears it, you know, and then he, they show him, they show how he even like turns and he has like a yeah. smirk on his face when he's saying it. And he's like, that's yeah. definitely, that's it. He has this idea. He's yeah. like, he got it. And he takes the helmet off and he's like <laughs> shitting himself. He was like, no fucking way did I just figure this out. Like right now, five years. Like I couldn't even imagine. Could you imagine playing a game for five years? And I know there's a lot of stuff in this, but it's like the main storyline. You cannot get past the very first part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, yes and no. I have several games that I've played. Like I have an emulator, right? With like all the old games right behind me here. And it's, there's like right behind my camera, I have the joysticks with the buttons. It's like a dual setup. But anyway. Uh, I do have a Batman Origin. I don't know if you've ever played any of the Batman games, but I have the Batman Arkham Origins game. And I remember when I first got it, my son was barely, it was like 2013, it had just come out. My son had just been bored. And I started playing it, and I would take care of him, and I got like 5% of the way in. And I was like in the first two years of his life, bro. (laughs) And that's how much my data was on it. I would play, you know, like two three times a night i mean a week like you know it's so for like an hour and I, you know when i got some time and i never got me i got to like 18 percent of that game or whatever and yeah. then like uh, i forgot about it for like six years and then i came back to it yeah. recently and then i had to do like a virtual walkthrough like online with one of these people like artemis probably to tell me what to do and then i got through like 25 percent. so now i'm like oh okay i'm going through it now but it's like 10 years ago when i bought this video game <laughs> Uh, so yeah. yes, I could imagine playing a video game for a long time and not getting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and Gino's was like, "Fuck, bro, and everyone can't beat it." He's like, "I'm not even playing it." Yeah, I mean, I think because he even said the only people who are trying to beat the race anymore are just the egg hunters and the Sixers. The like Sixers. everybody else isn't even really fucking with it like that. It's still a shitload of people because the Sixers are like a whole clan. Like yeah, said. whole fucking gang and shit. And uh, but it's, you know, because you still gotta you still gotta have coin, you know, for your car or whatever. You know, so I mean, all that does, uh, all that takes coin, but yeah, after he figures it out, of course, he goes right back to the race and, um, he sees, uh, what's her name there, Artemis, 
And she was like, oh, yeah, try not to lose your shit or zero out or whatever the hell, you know, because she's making fun of him for being a bonus hole. And um, and she was like, you figured something out, didn't you? She's like, tell me. Tell me. Yeah, and she's just watching him in the rear view mirror. And like, that's it. Mm. And then, yeah, he just hits it. And then it's um, so one of the things that he said. Well, he stays there for a bit. Everybody takes off, and she's looking yeah. at him through the through the rear view of her bike, and like she picks her visor up, and like she's like, and then she, he hits reverse, like yeah. he opens his door and he hits reverse and he slams reverse. So she's watching him, <laughs> but then I don't know if he goes out of sight or if she sees the whole thing. But well, one thing way. that was cool for him, the actor in the movie, so he said the uh, Miles, the dude um, <laughs> Ernest uh, Ernest Klein, the main creator. Oh, so he's such a, he's such an 80s buff that he even bought the DeLorean. Like after yeah. he like got the deal and everything for like Ready Player One, like that was one of his big purchases that he did. He went and bought um, the DeLorean. It's like the full DeLorean setup and everything. And I saw he the, led to the future one that was at Universal Studios when I was like 13. Nice. And I was like, yeah. that's the one that they used on set or whatever. It was just parked so there with, with some other like prop cars. But, then, you know, it obviously stood out as the DeLorean. I took a picture right? of it somewhere. And uh, so he only let, it was him and his wife were the only people that drove that. But he let Wade, the actor who played Wade, he let him drive that. And right. Is uh, that Miles said, Teller? Yes, right? No, it's not Miles Teller. It What's is the name of this? this Ty, Ty Sheridan? Okay. I guess we didn't shout out any of the any of the actors. We'll do it along the way. Ty Sheridan yeah. there. Good job, sir. And, um, so he said because of driving that, he realized that you know, he couldn't look over his shoulder like it was a normal car. You know, <laughs> yeah, because like yeah, the whole the... capacitor and everything's like in the way. So he was like, "That's that's what made him do that." Open the door and uh, got to look out this way. Yeah, makes sense. And how wild is that? When because like the whole time it's just like he's looking back. He's probably shitting bricks. Like it's a big wall. It's a really big wall that I'm heading towards, like full speed. Exactly. <laughs> right now, I know like it's... right here. <laughs> and then it just opens up. And it's like, he's like just totally mesmerized. And he's like, he's in a cheat code. <laughs> See, if I was that, I would have I probably told H, like, look, man, I'm going to try something crazy. If, if I zero out, grab all my coin for me. Yeah. This is a safety. But that's yeah, but see, that was that was it though. They weren't they weren't a clan. He doesn't he couldn't he didn't want to get clanned up. He's got to do it all himself. Yeah, that's that's also true, I suppose. Well, Which they, they end up, they kind of clammed up a little bit. <clears throat> well, when push comes to shove, they definitely all clammed up and they realized that was the thing to do, anyways. But they were all kind of living their solo, um, you know, their solo dreams. That's true. They were all kind of, uh, you see it a lot at the, at the what is it, the, the Doom, Planet of Doom, mm -hmm. yeah, Warzone. We're gonna call it the Warzone, it's just easy. Yeah, it's like literal chaos. That's pretty dope. I think I'd be in there a lot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it was just super cool seeing him uh, seeing him win with the cheat code. And it's funny so because, yeah, you can't beat the race from the up top. You have to go through the cheat code and you have to go backwards the entire way as well. So not only, you know, you don't have to face any of the crazy obstacles, but you do got to make it backwards through the twists and turns, you know. Yeah, of it's the, the old fall off the rainbow road and, you know, you, you lap somebody or whatever it is. Yeah. That's what basically yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, but there's and, one in Mario 64 where you could jump over the like he hit the bumper thing and he could jump over the wall and he basically skipped like half the lap. Yeah, I think it's uh huh. Yeah, the, yeah, so ridiculous. Yeah, and, and uh, Mario cheats, <laughs> Mario Kart cheats. Oh, yeah, and so he makes it all the way and it's got like the trumpets and everything that's there, and then he gets the next clue. And everything, and then you see him end up on the big board, and and then that's when you kind of get introduced to like IOI, like after that, and we're gonna save that for Act Two. I think this is a good place to uh, do uh, get a break in the action for Act One. And if you guys don't follow the podcast Silver Screen Breakdowns on Apple Pod and on Spotify, make sure you go do that. And if you don't follow Silver Screen Breakdowns on YouTube, what are you doing? Go do that as well. Uh, for everyone who's watching here live, just hang out because we're going to be doing Act 2 and 3 as well. And Peacock, why don't you uh, let them know where to find you at and everything you got going on. 
Yeah, I am the Neon Peacock. You can find me at such places like uh, the Real Fantasy Playmakers and uh, Occasional FNT. And my stuff is down there, neonpeacockmerch.com. I have a $13 t-shirt sale going on right now where you can find cool merch like this homage to Pulp Fiction featuring Bogart Scott Free and our man Hustler right here. 420 all day, right? FNT, 100% uh-huh, motherfucking pulp. So uh, that's just one of uh, many shirts that you can find on there. We have Bogart in the Matrix. And uh, then if you're into fantasy football, like I know a lot of the subscribers are, there's a plethora of cool stuff there, like uh, our man Deshaun Watson, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Kirk Cousins, yeah, you name it. So go check it out, neonpeacockmerch.com. The sale's ending soon, so you know, be inclined to do it today. <laughs> there we go. And make sure that you go check out all the other acts if you're listening to this on replay. Um, they're dropping Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the Silver Screen Breakdowns podcast. And go, you can still show some love on the Hustler podcast. Uh, go subscribe there. And we do have all the uploads happening there. They usually happen over the weekend. All right. Here we go. We're getting into act number two. We'll see you guys over there. Peace out, everybody. Peace. This ain't a dream, we really live this shit Don't intervene, yo, we with this shit That's where the most high, we the most live